Ladies and gentlemen, would you please rise for the Grouch Anthem? No, no, no. With a Grouch Anthem, you stay sitting down. Down in front, man. You should never let people see your car. When bluff, when call. I did not raise. I flipped over the ace. I raked in the chips. Put a pop. Hey everybody, long time no podcast, I guess. Uh, anyway, Nick's in the Grouch here, episode 13, um, going solo again. I got Jamie Staples coming up later, uh, talk about his pretty awesome week as far as online tournament play went. Um, makes me a little jealous if, you know, having a big score for me is at 4PLO is, I might win $12. Uh, he did a little better than that. Uh, anyway, that's coming up a little later. Uh, first off, I just wanted to let everybody know we are now on Stitcher Radio at Stitcher.com. Give you another way to listen. Uh, they have mobile apps for Android, iPhone, Palm, BlackBerry. As if any, if anyone's using a Palm, let me know. I'm just curious. Um, anyway, give you an opportunity to kind of listen on your phone. I think you can put together a playlist and stream it on demand to your phone. Maybe download it. I'm not entirely sure how they store it. Anyway, be able to listen mobily rather than having to pull it in through a podcasting or something like that. Uh, I think it's hooked up to like some car stereos, a um, couple other things, but mostly the mobile listening is why I think it's pretty cool. Um, so yeah, check that out. I think we, I've looked at the stats. looks like we actually have some listeners already. I haven't plugged it on the show. I, th- I think I threw up a message on Twitter about it. Um, so anyway, anyone who is new to listening, welcome. Um, I am your host, Nixon the Grouch. I think I already said that, but now I've said it to you directly. Uh, thanks to AU Morgan for uh, turning us on to that. I think that this is probably the first nice thing I've said about him, so uh, don't let that go to your head. Uh, in other news, uh, we've obviously fallen off the weekly schedule that I ambitiously set out three weeks ago, um, which honestly went about two weeks longer than I thought it would. Um, as I mentioned in the last episode with Tecmo, I've been moving, so it's been a little bit of a time suck just picking up boxes and moving them around, unpacking them, all that kind of stuff. Um, and speaking of sucking, I have been dealing with Comcast for the last week. For those of you who are not in an area of the United States that has the pleasure of working with Comcast, you can uh, best simulate working with them by taking your fingers, putting them in a door, slamming it, slamming it, slamming it, slamming it, slamming it, and then try and enjoy some television. Um, Maybe that's not quite the best way to do it, but I got tired of saying slamming it because it is much more painful than that to deal with them. So I had an appointment on a Sunday, which we scheduled a good month in advance. So the guy showed up, wasn't able to get the right equipment to install. Surprise, surprise. So he scheduled a new appointment for us for the next Tuesday. That guy showed up with the right equipment, but without the work order that said he had to drill new cable outlets into a couple of the bedrooms. So he told us he would make an appointment for the following day. That afternoon, the cable went out, I called, and they turned the cable back on, and in passing, I mentioned our appointment the following day, which did not exist. So that appointment was now gone, made a new appointment for the following, for, for that Friday, so now we're five days away from when we, the original, original install was. Um, that guy showed up with this, pretty much the same work orders the guy on Tuesday, uh, with the right equipment, but without knowing that he had to drill the outlets to the bedroom, which doesn't do any good because they can't install all the equipment without cable. So fortunately that guy was nice enough to rearrange his own schedule 
to make sure that he could come on Saturday and do it because Comcast called me that afternoon and said their next appointment would be Thursday, which would have been 11 days from the initial install date. So finally have service. Thanks very much to that one in, that one technician. Otherwise, I don't think we would have bothered to get in service from them. We would have moved on to another company. Yeah, of course, they've also started billing us for things that for individually for separate installations when obviously nothing was done, uh, billing us for equipment we don't have, uh, billing us too long for equipment that we were returning. So there's a whole extra phone call that I get to have with them later. Um, I'm expecting, you know, some amount of free service, but it's really just not worth it. But it's really the, it's really the only good option for um, television internet. Um, and also, if you're looking for ways to unite random groups of friends on Facebook, I have found posting about Comcast brings together a cross section of people that, you know, normally I post and it's like this, you know, this group of friends all comments or people I went to high school with might comment. This is like someone I went to high school with, someone that I went to college with, coworkers, neighbors. And it's really, it's about bringing the community together to hate Comcast. Um, I really think if they had Comcast across the world, that would be the way we would get world peace. Um, but one of my friends suggested, you know, why don't you just turn off your television, which surprisingly sounds exactly like the sort of advice Comcast would use to fix technical problems. So that, that was awesome. Um, enough of my uh, cable bad beat story. Uh, other than that, I haven't really played much poker lately. I've been, you know, getting a little bit of 4 PLO, 10 PLO in here and there. Um, I'm thinking about joining card runners again to, uh, I got an email from them offering no sign-up fee or, uh, whatever that, you know, the, the setup fee is to, uh, so basically it's just $30 a month. I figure that's another way to kind of get an, a few more series of, you know, basic PLO fundamental videos to watch. Cause right now I still don't know, you know, what I'm doing wrong. What's just bad luck. What's really good luck when I think I made an awesome play. Um, and I, think I'm, I probably need to sit down and make a video and get someone to look at it. Um, but until then, I think just watching a little bit more kind of the same information described different ways, because for the most part, I think a lot of the the basic instruction is going to be pretty similar. But that's that. Um, um, I mean, I'm up, still winning a little bit at it. I have rake back so that, you know, even if I'm just breaking even slowly, you know, grind up enough that I can play, you know, 10 PLL regularly and not go back down to four. I'm hoping... You know, if I can kind of keep working my way up, um, I won't have to put more money online. I'll just be able to kind of keep grinding out that couple hundred dollars I had before. Um, if it gets to the point that I'm obviously going in a circle because of the rake, uh, maybe it's worth putting a little money on and jumping up a little higher. Because as I've said, I've been told by a couple different people that the level of competition is not drastically different. So once I have, you know, a good framework, um, the ability to kind of better review my own hands, I think why not jump a little higher? The other thing, if I put some money online, is I maybe can play a little bit of triple draw. I've noticed that it runs on merge. Occasionally, there'll be someone sitting at like a one, two, or two, four uh, dollars, not cents, unlike the stakes I'm playing table uh, of triple draw, which is about what I was playing before when I was playing on full tilt. I'm guessing these people are probably a little better than the average competition when I was playing on full tilt just because they're sitting alone at a triple draw table. And I can't imagine if you're bad at triple draw, you would do that. So I'm guessing they're probably pretty skilled. So I think I would need to have a fair amount of money online in order to kind of deal with the swings of that game, just because the variance is a little higher than most of the things. I don't actually know. Maybe PLO is worse. 
Um, it definitely is a swingy game. You know, you can start out with a great four card hand and miss, 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 and you have garbage. You don't have a bluff catcher at all. You'd actually have just nothing. Um, so anyway, that's, I mean, if anyone knows of anywhere else to play triple draw for people that are dealing with the whole post black Friday, United States situation, I don't know about cake or Everleaf if they have it on there, or if there's any other smaller sites that are taking us players that have it. Uh, I'm guessing not, but if anyone knows uh, and you can point me in that direction, that would be great. I really, that's still the thing I miss the most. I think I've probably talked about this a couple of times already, but um, it's just, I don't know, it's just so much more fun to me than any other game I've played in a really long time. Uh, it was fun to learn, fun to win money, all of that stuff. Um, yeah, if anyone else uh, knows anything, definitely point me in the right direction. Um uh, anyway, that's my week. So, uh, but in poker news, I saw Phil Till Poker put out another statement, which is not really that helpful. Again, it's sort of the same thing they've been doing, where they give you a little bit of information, uh, not enough to actually make me feel like they're actually any closer to a deal. Um, they 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 revealed the U.S. government had frozen uh, 115 million dollars in the years up to Black Friday, which is something that I hadn't heard other sites talking about yet. It doesn't surprise me that there's transactions getting locked up. Um, it's probably what led to them doing the things they were allegedly doing as far as running transactions through other things to make them not look like poker. The, the logical step before that would be trying to do it e the easy way, getting busted and doing it in more and more convoluted, difficult ways in order to get around these restrictions. Um, but that combined with the shortfalls that we've been hearing about where they're crediting players money before it gets into the accounts, which would likely co correlate with these other funds being seized is they have way more funds credited in play than they actually would ever have had in their bank account, let alone any money that, you know, all the stuff with money being loaned to Phil Ivey and David Benjamin, this other stuff that, you know, is coming out that seems like it's happening. It's, I, I haven't corroborated it myself, but it, subject poker has, and, they seem pretty reputable about the whole thing. Um, but you know, with all those things combined, I just think it's going to be hard to find an investor that's going to want to put in enough money to cover, you know, $100 million in shortfall or whatever the number ends up being. And I figure any number they're releasing is probably a little worse than we would realize. I don't, I don't think we're going to get the full story probably ever, but I don't think we're going to get the full story through sources out of full tilt. So any investor coming in is investing you know, nine figures to try and cover player funds on top of whatever else they're going to have to do to, you know, buy the rights to the site and the software and whatever else they're going to, I don't even, I really don't know. I mean, to me, the brand is pretty tarnished. It's, uh, it's probably recoverable, but at this point, why would you start a poker site related to full tilt when there's going to be people that are so angry? It's, to me, it seems like it's a loss. I mean, the software was great. I really, I, I think they had some of the best software. Um, maybe it's just because I played on it a lot. I got used to the the little intricacies of it. But um, after playing on Merge and PokerStars um, pretty extensively, I still just full tilt software just felt more natural to me. And I think that's that's the kind of thing you might be paying money for. But I can't imagine paying the money for the software as well as to cover the shortfalls. And they've said. Um, both in in their statements as well as uh, the one of the attorneys in the class action lawsuit was posting on two plus two and said as much that any deal is going to involve enough money to pay all the players back. So it seems like a pretty significant deal. I can't imagine this being resolved quickly, 
because that's just a lot of money to move around in a post-Black Friday world. Um, I think they've lost a lot of footing in the international market to, you know, poker stars, um, you know, the the Euro skins like iPoker. Um, I don't know the rest. I don't play on them, but party poker, obviously. But I think that's going to be a big problem for them. I don't, I can't imagine they're going to come through. Someone's going to come in on, you know, on a white horse or I don't, I don't know what metaphor really is appropriate here. You know, give them the money they need. They're going to refund all the players' money. Because I think even if they suddenly had a windfall of cash, they still need to figure out who is being credited with money they don't actually have and kind of walk it back from there. And that's not going to be a fast process. I can't imagine that's something that they're going to be done with in time for paying out people immediately. So they're going to get money. It's going to be a few more months. People are going to get more and more angry, especially knowing the money is sitting there. And I think it's hard to recover from that. It doesn't make sense to me. To me, it's a little akin to when um, they bought the Napster name after the whole Napster thing to try and start a digital streaming service that, I mean, I guess there's name recognition, but it's so heavily correlated in my mind. And I'd imagine in most people's minds with, uh, illegitimate activities, illegal activities, um, scandals, that sort of thing that I think you're better off starting a new site, similar software and starting fresh. Like there's no reason to get caught up in full tilt. I don't think that they're going to, I mean, I guess there's people playing on ultimate bet, absolute poker after their scandals. Um, so maybe I'm wrong to me. That was never about not getting your money off the site. That was about being cheated. And you know, you can kind of cover that up with, Oh, it would never happen to me. But when it comes to actually being able to get your money back off the site, I think that's going to scare people. Who's going to put, you know, five, six figures on full tilt to play high stakes. If they're worried, their money's never going to come back. That, that seems crazy to me. And I think that's going to be a problem. Again, This is all my opinion. What do I know? I am a guy with a podcast, but I just, I I can't see it playing out in a way that suddenly full tilt is back in action anytime soon. Um, I would love for them to be back in action. I'd love for them to be back in action in the United States. Um, Not just for selfish reasons. I just think it's good for poker. Um, There's that phrase again, good for poker. But I do. I think it would be good for poker. I think that it would be the more sites there are on the market, the more people are playing, the more um, interest there is in the game, the more, you know, just kind of it stays alive. I'd I'd hate for Black Friday to pull the game down any more than it has to. And it seems like, you know, PokerStar seems like they're doing okay from what the numbers I've seen. But, you know, having full tilt back out there would, would be great. So, yeah, that's what's going on with that. I haven't been up on uh, the latest news lately, but why don't we throw it over to the interview with Jamie Staples? Uh, yeah, I'll be back in a second. All right, guys, I'm back. Uh, Jamie Staples. Jamie, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Uh, I know you. We've we're talking about whether or not we're going to talk about strategy. So I'm trying to do my best to offend nobody with my strategy discussion in this week's <laughs> interview. <laughs> Which means I will not be discussing strategy. I will just be listening. Might be a little later this week. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so to kick it off, why don't we just, you know, talk poker background, like how long you've been playing, that kind of good stuff? Um, well, I guess, seriously, it's been about a year, but I guess that's kind of in quotes. Like, I started, uh, like, last February-ish. You know, I my brother was actually playing Facebook poker. You know, he's like, get on there. I'm like, okay. So I play... You know, it's good fun. I'm like, I wonder if they still have those free rolls that I used to play when I was 15. So I downloaded Full Tilt, you know, docked around in the free rolls for a while, and then uh, finally made a deposit. Uh, 
May or June. And that's kind of where I got started. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, like no no strategy or anything. Like uh, when I first started, I was going off Full Tilt Poker Academy <laughs> and listening to uh, Chris Ferguson telling me to limp and super turbos and stuff. And like, you know, I was completely directionless. And uh, I ended up thinking fifth in the three rebuy on stars back when it was pretty big for like 2,700. Nice. And pretty much snap quit my job. Thought I was, you know, God's gift of poker. And uh, pretty much went bust after that. And I've been uh, <laughs> rebuilding ever since. <laughs> How long did you live in the in the altered reality where you were God's gift of poker before you realized maybe I got lucky? Um, well, I'm pretty young, right? Like I'm I'm 20 now, but I was, you know, fresh 19, you know, and I, I maybe had like a 300 game sample in tournaments. So you're saying you still think you're God's gift to poker. Is that what I'm hearing? You're well, <laughs> you know, most, bit, most 20 but... year olds that I remember from when I was 20 still would have thought they were God's gift to poker. They, <laughs> they went bust because everyone else just got lucky. Yeah. I don't know. I think, I think I've changed my perspective a little bit. Uh, I've played it. I don't know. I guess at a higher level for about six or seven months. So I think I've done some growing up in general and realize more about the uh, poker and life in that six and seven months. But when I started, you know, playing 300 games and winning, you know, 2,700 bucks, you know, I just thought, well, this is easy money, you know, but I hadn't experienced good players. You know, you can't, you, you can't win a tournament and then hop into a, a 50 and L 250 big blinds deep game and just beat everyone. Yeah. <laughs> it yeah. doesn't work like that. And that's the funny thing. Like I know when people win big tournaments, they're like, Oh, now I'm going to play higher stakes. And it's like, Okay, you have the money, but do you want to yeah. give it all back? Like what I would put it in my pocket and go back to the games I was playing. Like <laughs> the reason I haven't moved up usually isn't because I'm poor, it's because I kind of suck. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think I think there's you can argue both sides to that. I think in tournaments like if you had a big score in a tournament, I think it's probably good to move up, but you know, you're not going to hop up from, you know, $5 freeze outs and $1 rebuys all the way up to the Sunday majors. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're going to take that next step. You're probably going to go through some tough times, but I think that's probably the best way to improve. Yeah. Um, I agree with moving up like a step, but it's like, yeah. Oh, I, you know, I won the $3 rebuy. Now I'm going to play all the, the Sunday, the Sunday big tournaments or whatever. It seems <laughs> like you're just taking this money and throwing it away. Like it's, I mean, Chris yeah. Ferguson would not stand for that at all. No, not at all. Yeah. He, uh, He's not a fan of spending money in general, I don't think. But uh, <laughs> maybe that's where all of our full tilt money is. <laughs> <laughs> I think the the one thing that I would definitely advise against, just from you know that personal experience from last August, you know, if you you know bank a tournament or you're doing well in tournaments, you can't just hop into like a small mid stakes cash game. Like you're just gonna get crushed. You know, save that money. And if you want to play cash card at the bottom, I don't know. That's I wish I would have done that. I might be in a different spot now if I did. But uh, live and learn, I guess. I mean, what would you say like the biggest difference between you know your tournament strategy versus your cash strategy? Is it a, an issue of hand ranges? Is it being too aggressive because you're used to kind of like pushing small edges, like as you, as the blinds go up or something? I don't. Obviously, my tournament strategy is a little green. Yeah, I think it's well. First off, it's completely different generally. Like uh, when people start out tournaments, generally all the tournament grinders in the first five, six levels, like three ante, you know, are playing like 
you know, an eight, six or something like that, just total nits because we have, you know, 12 to 20 tables going at one time. And, you know, those levels don't matter, but uh, generally I think all the bad players are in tournaments or 90% of them. So we go to cash. You just have to play better and you have to learn to exploit regs more. I feel like, and uh, just have a general, better general overall strategy. Like you're not going to get people to stack off with like top pair bad kicker, you know, for three streets of value at 10 NL anymore. I don't think, you know, uh, so I think generally it's more playing the player in, in cash games okay. than it is in tournaments where tournaments is just like a lot of value from bad players and stack sizes and then shoving ranges eventually. I mean, our tournaments, are you pretty much assuming that everyone is bad if you don't recognize them and kind of treating them the same until you see otherwise? Is that? I pretty much like in the, in the $10 freeze outs, you know, in the, the three rebuys and, you know, the big 22, stuff like that. Usually, yeah. But uh, if you're running a HUD, usually you'll get some pretty good numbers on guys. And uh, recently when I jumped up to some higher stake stuff, you know, you see all the same guys. So I personally tag uh, regs when I see them, when I have like, say, a hundred hand sample um, and they have some some decent numbers, I'll tag them as a reg so I can generally get an idea of, you know, who's at the table and, you know, who I can look out for, who I can go for three streets of value on. But uh, if I was just hopping in a low stakes tournament, like, you know, I'm going to go for three streets with, with the top pair, top kicker all the time, you know. Now, do you change? Does your HUD filter based on stages of tournament? I don't. I mean, I'd assume if you're playing eight six at the beginning and you're playing significantly more aggressive as the blinds go up, yeah. Do those stats sort of start uh, co-mingling in a way that makes it hard to tell, or do you actually have some way of kind of filtering by blind level or anything like that? Well, I I thought about it, but I just don't think there's enough hands to get a sample of you if you filter by blind level. So generally. You know, if I see someone with reg stats, like, you know, tight, say like a 11-9 is a pretty standard uh, regular stat. Um, generally, I'll just open that up as the blinds get, you know, bigger and the antis kick in. Because I think most regs that I recognize and that you see every day, they're going to employ that strategy of opening up their games when the antis get there and stuff. So, you know, you can see one of those tight guys, um early in the tournament that you think isn't it, but that's just not the case. So I think you just have to adjust. Okay. I mean, so if a guy moves to your table, you know, later levels and you haven't seen him, you can't really tell based on his stats necessarily that he's, whether he's, I guess you would see him playing nitty late in the tournament. You know, he's not a reg. He's just a nit. Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, well, there's different levels of reg too, but, um, when you see someone, like play tight late in a tournament, generally you're not going to think they're too, you know, uh, experienced. There is levels to that. You know, there's some rigs that are moving up and taking a shot and it's a lot of money to them and they play differently than they would, you know, a couple levels down. But uh, you can tell, you know, when someone's 3Xing or or they're limping or something like that, it's, it's pretty clear, I think. Now, I mean, as far as I mean, can you use a HUD for? I know you play eight game as well as no limit. I mean, is there as much of a HUD in that, or is it really just observing who's at your table and kind of well, playing table dynamics? Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm on a Mac, so I don't have Hold'em Manager. I have Poker Tracker, and I know there's Poker Tracker Stud, uh, but I haven't invested in it. So, 
pretty much the HUD is just for limit hold'em and no limit hold'em. But I think um, this, this is kind of the second time around I've given eight game a shot. And more than any other game, I think it's reg on reg almost all the time. Like, you know, almost all your opponents. It might not have been that way, you know, two years ago or whatever. But I think 95% of the people you play against play there on a semi-regular basis. So I think the most important part is taking, like, really good notes um, in regards to each game just so that, you know, you can have an edge. Because sometimes I just think, uh, you know, you're battling against grinders. That's the only thing you got, really. So when you're playing eight game, how many – are you playing – a very few tables at a time just because of i mean it has to be hard to have like two tables of stud a, st a table of raz and a table of like limit yeah. hold them going at once right i mean i've i've played you know a, a horse tournament while playing no limit cash game once and i learned that <laughs> lesson really really fast that even when it was like limit hold them and no limit hold them like my brain sort of was exploding right yeah well um before when I was playing, I, I was playing it more regularly two or three months ago. I was playing four tables, which I think unless you have really good notes and know what's going on, it's a bad strategy. Um, so generally, my plan this time is I'm starting with two tables um, and trying to take some notes and really understand the player pool better. And then once I kind of get that down, of my two highest stake tables as my uh, where my focus will be, and then the lower stakes tables I'll play uh, will probably be on the bottom. And I, I won't be able to keep track of the, the up cards as much as I could, but I think I'll still be profitable um, just based on, you know, the play being weaker. So I think that's my strategy. Okay. But uh, it's kind of hard to go from, you know, playing MTTs, like 16 tables, 20 tables at a time to playing two tables, you know, it's kind of frustrating, but it's probably what's best for my game. Yeah, I mean, do you think you would be, I mean, you're playing no limit hold'em tournaments. If you were playing fewer tables, do you think you would see much difference in your play? Are you distracted by the number of tables, or is it just so automatic to you at this point that it's just, you know, easy decisions for the most part? Well, I'm sure I'd play better, for sure, but I don't think I'd make as much. Right. Like, uh, I mean, how do you balance, like, the getting better? I'm obviously not judging. I'm just, just curious. It sounds a little like... <laughs> You know, now just how do you balance like your ability to like, you know, grind out money versus trying to move up to the higher stakes faster? Is that something you've kind of considered? Is it just sort of do it, do what feels right and just kind of let it happen? Well, generally I've just played as many as I can, uh, you know, on my monitors. I just, uh, I actually ordered a new computer, so it might be a little interesting in a week or so, but, uh, what I do, and I know Sean Sean Deeb talked about it on the two plus two poker cast, is he'll have the tournaments he wants to focus on. You know, like he'll have the Sunday majors up, you know, and his you know one hundred nine freeze outs and stuff like that. And then all his small stuff he'll have off to the side, and he'll play, you know, tight. You know, they're they're almost like backups, right? Where you'll have a ten dollar tournament. You know, if you bust a bunch of important stuff, you have it as a backup because. Even if you don't play a hand in the first five levels, you're still going to be plus EV in the event. Uh, so that's kind of what I do. The middle of my screen is filled with the important stuff, and then stuff on the outside is the backup. Okay. So that's kind of what goes on. Like, I'm not really focusing on, you know, 16 tournaments at one time. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I know with cash games, you kind of have to weight all the tables equally just because 
Otherwise, yeah, you're bleeding money or whatever. But that makes yeah. sense that you're I mean, it's almost like having I don't know. It's probably a horrible analogy, like four tables of 50 and L and then a bunch of like five and L tables. That... Well, I, no, I, th- I think that, you know, it has some relevance for sure. But uh, generally, I'm playing really tight on the outside tables. And I think probably at five and L, you might want to play looser. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess I don't know. <laughs> right i guess that yeah if you open some full ring tables at the outside then maybe this analogy holds up i don't know yeah oh yeah that's that's great yeah that makes sense yes got one <laughs> yeah i like it when analogies come together after i've made them and it's like if i just tweak this it makes sense so i think they get the general idea <laughs> um i mean and as, as further evidence about you know me not being able to tell you what to do let's talk about your big score in the last week or so yeah, yeah it's been a Pretty unbelievable week for me. Um, basically, it started out like last Sunday. Uh, me and there's another member, uh, Matt9041, his name is. He doesn't post as much as I do, but we live in the same town, and I threw out the uh, the lockdown idea, two months, two million style, and he, he was down for it. So we woke up at about uh, 6 in the morning our time, you know, and started to grind, and I decided I was going to take some shots um, at some bigger stuff, like some, some 55 freeze outs and some, some one Oh nines and stuff like that. And, uh, I ended up winning a $55 knockout for 9,500. So that was my biggest cash online. And, uh, it kind of hasn't really stopped this week. I've just been running good. I, uh, I won the weekly eight game and I, uh, had three other final tables. So it's kind of just been unbelievable. It's a, it's a blur be honest it's, it's almost helmuth like right yeah. <laughs> i dodged bullets <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was good when your plan began with, began with i woke up at 6 a.m i thought this is a horrible plan but then when it ended with you winning ninety thousand or nine thousand dollars i was like all right maybe yeah. maybe he actually knows what he's doing but <laughs> yeah lockdown ended a little early i was i was a little too pumped up to continue playing ten dollar tournaments <laughs> i guess you didn't need the tilt room then <laughs> no we didn't have a tilt room it was just outside <laughs> and see i think that's the beauty of it is you had no tilt room and then decided we will not need it i will just win a lot of money yeah. maybe that was the plan yeah maybe that's what jay and those guys did wrong is they had a room built in knowing they would tilt if they just said we don't need a tilt room we're gonna win yeah. that show would have been over after three episodes yeah i think that shows a, a lack of confidence and i i really feel like they need some tommy angelo in them Yes. Just throwing yes. it out there. <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine. I don't know. I mean, having a bunch of watermelons on hand to me would be like, man, maybe I should go on tilt so I can hit them. But I don't know. <laughs> I'm guessing a little bit of that was for the show, but I don't know. Maybe they just really like smashing watermelons. Oh, I assume that show is exactly how real life is. <laughs> 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 so were you playing poker when that show was on? Or did you? Um, I'm not actually sure when it exactly aired. Um, I watched it on like PokerTube or something, uh, after it came out like last, last spring or something like that. But that's how I found Deuces Cracked anyways. Okay. That's what I was going to ask. Was that related to your introduction to Deuces Cracked? Yeah. Yeah. That, that's kind of how I got started and, and signed up. You know? Yeah. That's, I, again, I think I, I forget who I talked about this with. I think the antlers was like. To me, when that show was on, it seemed like it was such a show for people that were already kind of in that world. Right, yeah. And it really, I'm, I mean, I guess I was totally wrong that there really are people that saw that and went, that looks awesome. <laughs> I want to take poker seriously. But 
which is great. I mean, I, I think that's, I don't know. I am not one who's like, man, I just wish everyone was bad at poker and then I could sit back and win money. I personally <laughs> sort of enjoy the competition. Like, I think it's fun to be able to not think like at level one and just look at my hands, oh, yeah. bet. Like the multi-level thinking of it is actually cool. So if people want to come, think they know something and then play against me. I mean, it's sort of the thing, like it's like counting cards in blackjack. Everyone thinks they can do it. And it actually is probably more profitable for the casino. Yeah. Everyone thinks they have a strategy now where before it was just luck. Now yeah. it's like, oh, I counted. So I'm going to triple my bet and lose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it, there's, you know, don't get me wrong. I like money, but I also like, you know, after moving up, when you play reg on reg sometimes, even though it's not as profitable, you just get in those interesting spots and it's like a it's like a battle, whereas before it's just a bloodbath. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, there's a lot of jobs that are, quote unquote, easy money, and I wouldn't necessarily want to do them just because, because right, yeah. my brain kind of turns off for a few hours and I get a paycheck and I come home. But like if I'm going to play poker, like I'm playing poker because it's poker, not because it's like, oh, this will be quick money. But I think I'm in the minority on that. I've I've come to the conclusion that like the idea of like, oh, I don't really care how much money I win is not a popular opinion. Like the number of threads, the number of threads I see where it's like, oh, if I just did this, I could squeak out an edge. And it's like, yeah, I don't really care. It doesn't. (laughs) I I, I think it changes after you play professionally or, you know, full time for a while. It, uh, it fades a little bit. You know what I mean? I mean, it's fun, but it, uh, it's more of a job, you know what I mean? For me, anyways. Uh, I still love it, though. I still enjoy playing a lot. I mean, I remember when when Steve Dandenman was came in second to Hashem in 2005 that someone asked, like, oh, are you going to go pro now? And he's like, no, poker is what I do for fun. If I start yeah. doing poker for a job, I have to find something else to do for fun. Right, and yeah. That, I thought that really kind of summed up, you know, how I felt about it at the time, how I feel now that, like, not that I've ever had, you know, big scores at poker anyway, but it's never been like, oh, if I just do this and then do this, I can play poker full time. Yeah. It's it's nice to me that I can, you know, have a hobby that I mean, I have friends that play video games a lot and they buy a lot of games or they play World of Warcraft and pay subscriptions. I right. get I get paid to do my hobby, which is pretty sweet. And that's yeah. that's kind of all I'm looking for. Yeah, that's a good deal. <laughs> you don't have to pay them. Yeah. I think uh I really like the direction it gives you, you know what I mean? Like if, if you're doing it as a, as a hobby, there's always a goal in, in mind, you know, um, I guess it's similar with golf and stuff, but you know, you're always working to move up to that next level or, you know, uh, beat that reg that you can never beat. That's, that's what I really enjoy about it. There's always a sense of sense of where you're going, I think. So were you always into games? Like, I mean, are you kind of a game person or is this just something you got into and it was like a whole new thing for you? Uh, no, I was actually pretty into golf, um, in my teenage years. Um, my cousin's a professional golfer on the Canadian tour. So I kind of, I think I have an addictive personality. So I kind of got obsessed with golf and, you know, put all my money and time into it and played at least 18 every day, just trying to give it a go. And then, you know, I found poker and I kind of felt the same way about it. You know, I've just given it everything I've had and, you know, that's kind of generally the backstory, but I I wasn't really a big gamer when I was growing up. Like I played a little bit of PlayStation three and stuff like that, but not a ton. And so do you think the golf, like the mental preparation of golf played into how well you've done at poker or is it 
is it really separate? I've only well, played a little bit of golf, and so the amount of mental preparation I have in golf is very, very low. <laughs> I think I tilted less than than most people would when they start, just because you know it's the the mental aspect is similar in a lot of ways. Once you do something, you know, uh, whether it's once you hit a shot or once you three bet jam the river as a bluff, you know, you can't change that anymore. All you can do is focus on hitting that next shot or improving or, you know, not spewing off all your money next time. So <laughs> I think that's probably the biggest thing that I, uh, I've translated over, um, which is, golf over. I was gonna say, which is a huge lesson. I mean, that to me, like it took me a lot longer than the time you've been playing poker to really figure out like the idea of I have done this, it's over my, you know, like I get my money in good and that's it. And I feel like that was, I win, yeah. I win. And I, I have to think of it that way. And to really fully get to the point that I could, you know, three bet, what is the best hand? And I know it's the best hand enough of the yeah. time to do it. And then they're fair and you, you lose the pot, but it doesn't mean you should three bet. <laughs> right. And, <laughs> and to, you know, not even think about it, not to have to run that hand through people and say like, man, should I have done something different somewhere else? It's like, you just kind of feel confident enough in like, you know, the quote unquote easy decisions that you can do them, move on, know that long-term you're going to make money, you know, whatever. Yeah, for sure. I think, I think it's just like, you know, looking at decisions as decisions, you know, I don't really know what the other, the other side would be, but when I look at a poker hand and there's a decision, you know, that's all it, all it is. It's not $150. You know, it's a, it's a decision, you know, you just try and pick the right side. Yeah. I mean, and I think, I mean, maybe it's easier with tournaments. I know with cash, it took me a long time to not think about the fact that I was betting a dollar, $2, $5, whatever. <laughs> I'm just betting. I mean, tournaments is you're just betting the points, these units that like yeah, you've bought sure, in yeah. and you're sort of separated. But I mean, do you, did you, you started with tournaments, right? Is that, um, well, I kind of, when I first started and like had no idea, I started in sit and goes, uh, on full tilt and, you know, ran good over 20 games or whatever my sample was one tabling. So then I kind of jumped into tournaments. Uh, I dabbled in no limit cash on stars for a while and just got crushed because I really didn't understand anything about the game. Like before deuces cracked, I was really clueless. Like you can't listen to Chris Ferguson telling you to limp you know, with eight big blinds and then fold, like <laughs> you're just not going to get anywhere. You know what I mean? But then I found this site, I signed up and, uh, you know, it's taken me to where I am today. It's just, I can't say enough about it. <laughs> do you, I mean, do you feel like the full tilt Academy helped more than hurt overall? Like, I mean, I know there's some weird stuff they tell you, but yeah. It, oh, for sure. It did. Yeah. Just, I mean, I guess it gave you structure when you had none. So that that's always yeah. a good thing. Like I knew the hand rankings and, but I didn't know you're supposed to, raise pre-flop i didn't know where three you know three x came from like I, I didn't know anything so it it gave me some general idea and there there is some decent stuff on there uh you know from some some of the higher stakes players but uh i was definitely ready to move up to that next level for sure and uh you know books weren't doing doing it justice <laughs> so <laughs> yeah because i remember the 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 full tilt they had like a tv show that was on like Fox sports or something. And it was basically kind of the same stuff from the full tilt Academy. And oh, really? Yeah. I don't, I remember, I don't remember when that was, it would have been like 2005, 2006 or something like that, probably. And I remember watching it. And at the time I was like, Oh, 
now I figured they're seabedding. Like I've learned all of these things. And then I got fascinating. And then I got more in the deuces cracked and like watch videos. And I was like, man, some of that advice was really, really nitty. Just not good. Yeah. I mean, it was probably good advice, you know, like 10 years ago, but yeah, we'll just call it Helmuth style. Yeah. I mean, some of it's good, but like I watched a couple full tilt Academy videos and it was like, Either they didn't explain themselves well and it was like some pro just playing and you're like, okay, this isn't educational at all. Yeah, or they're just yeah. saying things that don't really make sense. Like I watched, I think Grinder did a video on triple draw, like playing like 510 triple draw. And it was like, wow, I'm oh, really? really, I am really excited for the people that see this and play triple draw because they're going to play <laughs> even worse than before. Like he was just. I mean, it probably, if you can hand read, it's great, but just like a new person, like going, oh yeah, you know, you could probably bet here with a 10 and it's like, I, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't know. Some context for that, I'm guessing. <laughs> yeah. Which, I mean, that's what it sort of reminded me of, of like, it's like if all they put out were sweat videos and deuces cracked of like mid stakes and yeah. then here's your micro content, watch this sweat video and then go play. You would be really, you'd probably be worse off than before. Yeah. I, I'm guessing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I think a lot of the higher stake stuff on there is probably irrelevant because, you know, it's just a different game. <laughs> I'm guessing people watching that Full Tilt Poker Academy are not going to hop into 510, but... Maybe. Wrong. <laughs> oh, the triple the triple draw games on Full Tilt are the thing that I miss most post-Black Friday. It's Really? I mean, I don't... The, the games, it was so new to, to Full Tilt that I think no one had really figured it out. And so people were just sitting down and playing with some idea of what to do, but not a great idea. And yeah, I, mean, I was also running good, but it was by far like the most profitable like game I had ever had. And I was thinking about playing the main event or not the main event, but the world series event. And like, it was like, Oh, this is going to be great. And then black Friday, but, Ooh. and they've, they've, <laughs> I, I've seen triple draw running on merge a couple of times, but that's sort of it. And it's just, it's just sad, but yeah, I heard that last week. It's got to, it's got to suck for all the non no limit Hold'em grinders because well, I don't know how the PLO action is there, but it's, you know, I know tournaments are small and it's not, I mean, it's okay, but it's like some, t some mornings I get up to play and like I'll play before work and right. there's like three tables running of like two, two cent, four cent, like one table running of five cent, 10 cent and like a couple more as you go up. But it's really like, the people that are playing are the like I guess everyone's in the US anyway, so it's it's the other people that are like, Oh, I'll play before work. So like the games are pretty yeah. you know, no one's gambling at seven o'clock in the morning. Like it's yeah, not exactly. Yeah. Where before yeah, you wait you get up at seven and play and you're playing against all like the crazy Europeans that are like getting home from work and it's like yeah. oh, it's very sure. different. <laughs> it's gotta be so frustrating going from two hundred thousand players to I don't know how much traffic there is. Five thousand, maybe. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure. It's got to be a little higher than that, but a little higher. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe not. I mean, I know like No Limit. There seems to be decent action at No Limit, but right, pretty much yeah. everything else is really dry. Like they have an entire tab for horse, and <laughs> I've never taken out. <laughs> I have never seen a person sitting at a table there ever. I saw like one table of like Ha or whatever they call it, like the Hold'em PLO. Yeah. But that's it in all the time I've been playing on there. And I kind of check every day just out of curiosity, but yeah, it's, it's weird. I don't know who was playing those games. I guess it was all Europeans. Like no Americans were like, yeah, I love triple draw. Yeah. <laughs> well, 
Well, I, I hope things change for you guys. It's really got a, it was a shock to a system when I heard that, not that I was in the situation, but just the thought of that happening. Uh, but where do you, th- where do you think uh, the climate's going to go? Uh, it's going to, I mean, I think, I mean, Tecmo and I kind of talked about this last week. It's really going to take someone putting money in someone's pocket before anything changes. Right. Cause yeah. I, th- I don't think there's enough people that are like, yes, poker is good. There's yeah. people that say, I don't dislike poker. But that's that you can't really rally behind that. Like, yeah, I'm okay with it, I guess. Sure. Do whatever you want. Is not really like gonna get people to march on Washington. Yeah. Uh, so and I think it's a small culture, I think. A smaller smaller culture than we think. And it's a lazy culture. It really is. Like <laughs> no doubt. I mean, I I love, you know, my poker friends, but we're a bunch of lazy jerks. Like it's just really like no one wants to get out and like I mean, like the PPA letter writing campaign, like, yeah, it, it couldn't have gone that well. I can't imagine there was like a flood of letters like you would have on a real hot button issue. <laughs> Confirmed lazy, I think. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, as a politician, you get a letter from a poker player, you know, like, that's it. You're never going to like get anything. Yeah. It's not like he's going to go out and vote, really. <laughs> There's a good game. I, I don't have time to vote. <laughs> yeah, right. I was oh, I was gonna go vote today, but there was this fish at five ten, and like, <laughs> I mean, that's that's the reality of the situation. Is poker players are not going to move move the needle, to use the term I hear in the business world sometimes, and affect anything. It's gonna take like Harrah's. Like, yeah, it's it's gonna take money. You know, with everything else, I agree with you completely. I mean, how are things up there? Is it pretty acceptable to be playing internet poker? I know, like. Other places in the world, it's sort of frowned upon as well, but probably won't be cracked down on. Is Canadian? Yeah, Canadians seem like a, like a happy people. They're like, yeah, just whatever. Yeah, yeah. I think it's it's generally uh, most people that you know ask me about it think it's it's pretty cool. But uh, I don't think it's it's looked down upon necessarily. But uh, just coming from my perspective of talking to people about it, they think I'm probably naive being so young. Uh, you know, and talking about poker, they're just like, oh, you know, it's, you know, it's a game he found and he's going to move on and go to, you know, go to work a normal job. But I think in society, I don't think it's looked down upon at all, really. I mean, is it, is it grouped in with gambling though? I mean, or is there a separation? It's, is it still kind of, oh, like it's like when my, when my grandmother found out that I was playing poker on the internet, she was so concerned. She's like, oh, (laughs) and you know, it was really like, I'd heard the jokes about what, but how much did you lose? But I'd never had anybody say that to me as often. It's like, oh, how's poker going? And it's like, oh, I, you know, I won a couple hundred dollars this week or whatever. And she's like, oh, how much did you lose? I'm like, no, I netted a couple hundred dollars. <laughs> like, if you want one and lost, like, sure, I won 1200 and lost a thousand, but that, that's the game. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, well, just to say my mom, definitely the worst for that. When I first started playing. You know, and they were totally not behind it, you know, just not knowing anything about the game. You know, they thought it was gambling. So kind of answer your question, the people that don't know anything about it, you know, it's the same as blackjack, essentially. Has your mom come around on it now that you started winning or is she still? Yeah, she has like a, she's kind of, she swings on it, right? You know, if I tell her, you know, I had a good day, you know, I won a tournament, you know, she'll call me and she'll ask me about it and be excited and stuff. But if I don't say anything for a week, you know, or if I don't make any big caches, she'll be like, why are you playing this game? You know, go to school. And I'm like, mom, you got to pick a side, you know, like 
got to support me at, in the ups and the downs. Or <laughs> yeah. So I, I think she's pretty good. My dad's a little more old school, so I'm working on him. But uh, can't really complain with the money. It's more money than you know a decent job around here for me. So you know, I, th- I think it's good. Yeah. I mean, do you have a plan long term? Do you want poker to be your thing? Or are you looking to like do poker as a, as a side? like hobby extra income sort of thing while you, you know, go to school and get a real job or whatever they call it. Right. Yeah. Well, I think, uh, I definitely would, would love to, I really like playing and I'd like to travel and, you know, do some of the tournament circuits and stuff and hopefully end up coaching down the road too. Cause I like that, but I, I am going to school in the fall. Um, so I'm going to do that four year degree and, and play on the side and we'll just see where I am. You know, if I'm, if I've moved up to the higher stakes and I'm making, you know, a good clip of money, I'll probably continue with it. Whereas, you know, if I'm not doing as hot, I'll probably move on. You know, I think it just depends on whether I can make a decent income or not. Yeah, that makes sense. Do, yeah. you, do you know what you're going to study in school yet? Or are you still just figuring uh, out? It's uh, golf management. So it's become like a, a shop pro and for golf courses. I didn't know, and, I didn't uh, know that was a degree. <laughs> yeah, well, first two years diploma and then I finished with a, a business degree at my uh, local university. So it's kind of a four year thing. Okay. Yeah. I don't know how school works there. Like, I mean, you guys like <laughs> have like an extra grade of high school too, don't you? It's very confusing right. to me. Well, yeah, it's like, I'll go to college, which is like junior college for you guys, I think. Okay. I'll do two years at college. And then I finish like my degree at university, which is college for you guys. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. That sounds about right. I mean, yeah. Cause here college and university are pretty interchangeable. I mean, like, yeah, Right. I was watching TV today and they advertised the University of Phoenix, which is not a real college at all. It's just like an online, like whatever thing. <laughs> and they use the term university. So it's not definitely isn't a meaningful word. But yeah, there's, there's a difference up here in Canada. Is that me? Is that pretty standard? And not to make this into a Canadian education podcast, but <laughs> that you do two, two years of college, two years at university, or do some people go do university for four years? Is that... Yeah, it just depends on your field. Uh, okay. Just because I'm becoming a golf pro, like it's not necessarily the most academic field, but the the business portion of it is. So, um, you know, if people are going into physics or you know stuff like that. They'll do four years at university or more. But uh, for more of the like the trades, the more you know, jobs like that, they'll usually go to college or start at college. The more likely you are to in like work with people that are drunk you're like more likely to start at college yeah absolutely yeah (laughs) and i think the party atmosphere is probably a little more uh a little more fun in college too so that's always an upside that's true i would imagine you know again more likely to encounter drunk people i guess that it all sort of works (laughs) for sure drunk training college (laughs) man i feel like i've learned so much about education i didn't even No, I just like, I mean, I, I listened to a lot of bare naked ladies when I was in college and like this whole like grade nine. And then like the fact that it went to grade 13, I was like, wow, there's, it's a whole new world. No wonder Canadians are so much smarter. They work an extra year. I don't think that happens anymore. We don't have a grade 13 anymore. <sighs> my my one piece of information is lost. Yeah. I was only in Quebec. <laughs> oh yeah. That... That's the country, but it was interesting. Maybe Ontario actually. I'm not sure. So, yeah, and qu- the fact that Quebec is like not really part of Canada as far as everyone's <laughs> concerned on both sides. Well, it is, but they speak a different language, you know. It's like tough to get to know them. And they don't <laughs> like you, right? Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Isn't there like a whole Quebec like separation government 
type thing going on. It's like Texas here. Like they really? Kind of, yeah, Texas always talks about seceding, and like the rest of the country is like, yeah, why don't you go? But then they never do, and then they become our president, and look what happens. Take your guns with you. Yeah. Uh, cut that out. I'm gonna make so many enemies. <laughs> and they're gonna. And the thing is, the people you're making angry with jokes like that are the guys that own the guns. <laughs> Oh man, that was the first politically incorrect statement of the day. <laughs> wow, you you haven't talked to very many people today. If your day goes like <laughs> mine, if I haven't offended somebody by like noon, there's something is horribly wrong. <laughs> well, it's kind of lonely here, you know. Like I just got the dog, and you know, grinding in the basement. There's not much to offend. <laughs> yeah, but you could not feed your dog, and then he'll get mad at you. But it's not the yeah, same because that is true. Once yeah. you feed him, he's your friend again. <laughs> you, you you can't like give bullets to a guy from Texas, and you guys are buddies. Right, yeah. <laughs> Maybe you could. I don't know. I don't know many people from Texas. Yeah, me neither. If you are from Texas, Texas and listening Texas. to this, and I gave you bullets after offending you, let me know if that would make you happy or if you would use them on me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm almost well, sure we have no really Texas. taking a turn here. <laughs> yeah, I'm almost sure we have no Texas listeners because I haven't talked to them, and I assume anyone who listens to this show has told me either that they like it or is angry with me about something that I've done and will no longer listen. <laughs> So, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know what just happened. This is what happens when we have conversations and I get interested in non-poker topics. Just like, <laughs> no, we, I think we just did good coverage of education. I think, I think it's a valid, valid topic. Yeah. So, like, what's the political structure like in Canada? No, I'm just. <laughs> I, I, I can't comment. <laughs> Let's talk about House of Commons. House of Commons. Uh, yeah, I haven't gone to school yet, so. <laughs> I really comment. I don't really. How, how about your PLO results? I don't know if you're talking about that off the top of the show, but yeah, it's it's okay. it's been going all right. I think it's still kind of in that stage where I don't know what I don't know, right? Um, but I, it, things are making a lot more sense. I've I've been winning a little bit. It's the rake is brutal, and I think that's I just, I have to still accept that. I'm so used to kind of like the swings of no limit hold'em and thinking that was painful, and then I right. come yeah. appreciate. It's not true at all. Yeah. Yeah. I, I posted in my blog the other day, you know, I like, I, I was playing some no limit hold'em and I was talking about how I enjoyed the, the low variance of six max no limit hold'em compared to tournaments, you know, and I'm sure <laughs> PLO, it's even worse. It's like, I love this. You know, I can grind $3 a hand, you know, yeah. not $3 a hand, but you know, bet, see bet, take it down. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> I, I mean, back to triple draw. Triple draw was the most, I mean, I don't know the numbers of variance, but that was the most frustrating game in terms of variance that I've played. Because in PLO, it's like, oh, you know, I, I made a hand, but I know it's not good. It's like there, it's like I make the same hand, but as the night goes on, I'm like more and more likely to call the river with it, thinking like, ah, I got an eight, like it's got to be good. Yeah. Where that never happens in PLO. Like I know I have the six nuts and this, this guy that never bets is betting. How can right. I be good? But there, it's like, uh, you know, he maybe he missed because everyone's drawing yeah. all the time, and it's uh, yeah, it's kind of insane. Today, I overcalled with a nine in a three-way pot, like post draw, and I ended up taking it down. Generally, you just have to call. I think you know it's limit. Like you just can't fold very much. Don't say that. That's what got me in trouble last week. Oh, right. <laughs> I love you. You're the best. But, uh, you know, it's, it's true. Like. But, it's finding, it's figuring out which spots in triple draw are like, oh, I'm getting, you know, a billion to one. I have to call. And it's like, I'm getting a billion yeah. to one, but I am never good here. Right. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, it definitely depends. You know, like if you have, 
history with people, you can read into it. But I think generally, just based on bluff frequencies and stuff in different spots and triple draw, you have to call a decent amount. Yeah, I think there's a lot of people that bluff like any pair on the river. And oh, for sure. And if, yeah. if you know if that's the case, then you're just calling everything. But I mean, I think the thing with triple draw that frustrates me is I can start with like like deuce three four seven, which is an amazing hand. And just the nuts. it's basically like, oh, wow, this is awesome. And then I then I draw one three times and I get to the end. And it's like, how do I not have a hand? I was so excited when this started. Yeah. <laughs> and it's and down with the with the jack eight, seven. We took it down. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess PLO is sort of like that, too, where it's like I'll start with like like a medium rundown or something and feel like, oh, wow, I got a great I have a great potential for a hand. Right. Yeah. I have that same excitement that I would have if I had like pocket queens and like no limit or something. But that's a made hand. Like that could possibly go to showdown. Like you're never gonna show down, yeah. you know, seven you know, a seven high with like some like a pair or like a queen or something like that. Like that one <laughs> that one extra card makes your hand garbage. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's much more of a I think casino players would love triple draw. Just because there's always that draw, you know, the hand is never over. It's like in PLO, you know, you have six, seven, eight, nine, and the flop comes ace, king, queen with, you know, flush draw, you're done, you know. But in triple draw, it's like <laughs> you always have like two more draws, or you always can bink a draw two on the river or something like that. So I don't know. I think it's, it's never really final. <laughs> yeah. I, I know Los Angeles, like, like the commerce and stuff, like there are some good mixed games that are like, triple draw Badesi, something right. else and it's a lot of crazy gambling but i'd imagine the swings in that are even more insane because oh, yeah. i mean as swingy as it was online for me it was never there was nobody for betting like crazily for the most <laughs> part like it was a lot of calling and yeah. which is totally different than like things getting capped all the time where yeah you know you're probably good you have the odds to draw but like when you miss your draw you're gonna have to fold and, and I imagine there's probably some like seven, eight way flops in in those live games. Like I, I don't have any experience, but online you're gonna be like four at the most, usually heads up. Yeah. So you know, <laughs> I'm sure that would add a little variance. I would think that there would be. I mean, I don't know how. I guess triple draw probably is six handed live. So is it? I think there's just too many cards going, coming and going, right? I, yeah, I've, I guess that's right. I've never played it live, so I don't know. I've but. only played it live once, and that was at the Deuces Cracked like home game events or whatever it was called at, in right. Vegas. And we definitely had to sit people out when we got to triple draw because Tecmo and I decided we were going to start a game around triple draw. And if we wanted to play other games, that's fine. <laughs> but triple draw would be in the rotation. <laughs> um, and yeah, and it was, and it was great. But That's fun. Too bad I missed that. I was in Vegas this summer, but I was – fresh age of 20 years old on a family vacation so so that, that was interesting what did you do in vegas uh well i have uh two little brothers and a little sister so we pretty much like so they were even more bored than you at the pool and like i checked out all the card rooms like you know sweated some four eight limit holdem from the rail like all <laughs> 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 i had really drank at the pool but there it was uh it was a little frustrating to say the least. Yeah, I thought you were gonna say like you went to like Circus Circus. I don't even know if that's really a people do that anymore. But <laughs> I, the rides, yeah, no. <laughs> but that sounds even more fun to me than watching someone play like four eight limit. Like, 
I don't know. I mean, I guess there's yeah, a lot it of was, but it was fun just to, you know, you know, like if it's if it's what you do for a living to go out and see the celebrities and see, you know, get that Vegas feel of, you know, all the grinders and, you know, the tourists and all the, you know, the lights. You know, that was pretty cool to see, but it wasn't nearly as fun as it could have been, you know. Yeah. That's no <laughs> I'm I'm not a big like I don't know, fanboy sort of person or whatever, but we were there right. during the 50k and it was pretty cool to see like everyone at every table in the 50k it's like yeah i've seen that guy on tv i know who that guy is i know who that guy is like that guy online <laughs> yeah tecmo tecmo offended that guy on twitter um yeah. but <laughs> yeah i was there at the same time i was uh unfortunately my little brothers were with me i was gonna watch a little bit uh because i think you have to be 21 but i don't think i was getting carded to go watch poker uh <laughs> but so my brothers were with me so i just got to sneak in and watch the 50k uh final table a little bit i saw helmuth and stuff but that was pretty much the only experience i had at the wsop yeah uh, so having your little brothers with you it's really hard to yeah, sneak sure. anywhere in like yeah. oh no i'm 21 and so are they yeah. no <laughs> doesn't work out but it you know it's it's fun it's a family vacation what can you expect yeah it's <laughs> I don't go anywhere with my family anymore. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. And on that crabby note, maybe I'll end it here. Or go back to being alone in the podcast because I don't go anywhere with anyone. <laughs> Perfect. Well, uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah. Thanks for being here. Thanks for teaching me about the Canadian educational system. <laughs> hey, anytime. We'll Just let me know. We'll come back once you've gone through university and can explain House of Commons to me in a way that I can understand. Absolutely. Yeah. I'll, I'll study up on that. I'll take some notes. I appreciate it. <laughs> all right later all right that's it guys uh thanks to jamie for being here uh i look forward to hearing his results going forward because if he was doing this well before he was on the podcast i can only imagine the level of of poker success and fame that will come to him in the weeks following hopefully you know the, the paparazzi don't sit outside his house to people begging for autographs you know railbirds asking for money um I know how uncomfortable that is when they do it to me. I hope that doesn't happen to him, though maybe it would help impress his parents. I don't know. Um, anyway, uh, as always, you can catch us on Twitter. I like that I still say us, even though Techno is not here. You can catch us on Twitter at Badoogie All Stars. Uh, Facebook fan page, just search for Badoogie All Stars. Um, definitely, if you get a chance just to give it a like, that would be great. If we get it up to 25, I think I can have a custom URL and then I can actually give you a URL to find it rather than this convoluted thing. Um, but yeah, definitely do that. That would be great. Um, if you have any feedback for me, you know, shoot me a message one of those ways. Send me an email, nixon at nixonthegrouch.com. Especially you know, new listeners, I'd love to hear from you what you think of the show, what sort of things you want to hear. Um, you know, we've talked about you know, doing a couple different things as far as new segments, get some strategy involved. If you haven't been listening regularly, uh, we're going to partner up with freepokercoaching.net. Uh, that's Fender Jaguar's new site. Uh, hopefully that'll bring in some new strategy, you know, some different guests that you know, are outside of my uh, poker circle. Um, and as always, if you, you know, you've been listening, interested in being a guest on the podcast, shoot me a message. Uh, we're trying to do kind of a grassroots, you know, of the people, by the people sort of thing. So... Uh, if you, you know, you're playing online poker, you're playing live poker, uh, you want to talk strategy, you want to just talk, you know, poker in general, uh, I'd love to have you on. So shoot me a message, um, Twitter, Facebook, PM on Deuces Cracked, um, shoot me an email, nixon at nixonthegrouch.com again, that'd be great. Uh, 
And again, reminder, we're on Stitcher.com, so check us out on there. Uh, poker and gambling category. I don't think there, I don't have a direct link, but should be able to find us if you browse through that, or you can search for Badoogie All Stars. It comes up if you just type in Badoogie is what I did to test it. I'm planning to be into that back next week. Um, move unpacking permitting. Uh, still lining up a guest for that, but I got a couple people who have expressed interest so far, so that should be good. Um, until then, uh, this has been Nixon the Grouch. Bye. <laughs>